first, the first nine months building and the software and logging, um, you know, building our team of data journalists and starting to log as much information as we can, even going back in time on streaming. Um, because first and foremost, as, uh, as we noted, having that robust data archive is what can fuel our games, what helps us make predictions, uh, what helps educate on why one horse rider, et cetera, is better um, or will perform better under the given circumstances um, to get even more into the detail. But, um, you know, on top of that, this concept of live data, uh, live data, live gaming, live broadcasting, you know, this is where fans are really, uh, you know, solidified and uh, new new people are attracted to the sport. So the more we can do to deliver live analytics, uh, hopefully translate our, you know, as you, as you mentioned, Katie, working with us to, to help with the broadcasting, with the storytelling. And, uh, but hopefully if we can get more into graphics and, and other ways to serve new people and, um, you know, people who might want to learn more, this is, this is what's going to make it interesting. And it's what it's working in every other sport, truly. Um, so that's what we kind of wanted to, to make possible. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandy Olenek, and this week's episode is with two horse tech businesswomen, Olympic show jumper Lucy Davis and show jumper Clementine Gutal. This was a really fun, informative, and forward-thinking conversation. In addition to Lucy's writing accomplishments, she is the founder of Preview, a new equine data collection and gaming company. Clementine is the company's director of strategy and partnerships. The idea of Preview, spelled P-R-I-X-V-I-E-W, is to bring more exposure and engagement to the sport of show jumping, as well as to educate, build a community, and inspire fun. Lucy started the company in April of 2021, creating the software platform and hiring data journalists who watched previous competitions to collect information on each horse and rider pair. The types of data they collected and are now collecting looks at details such as the footing type, the course designer, who hit what fence, whether the horse hit the fence with his front or hind legs, and from what lead he was approaching the fence. Preview took that data and used it to develop its free-to-play fantasy game, which launched over the winter. In this game, users are placing predictions on real show jumping events. There are two prediction formats, head-to-head matchups where you predict if one top-level rider will outperform another, or whether a certain rider will have more or less of the projected number of faults. And if you do well, you can win cash. You can base your predictions on anything you like, from your favorite horse or rider, or you can benefit from Preview's detailed analytics. Even top riders like Laura Kratt are playing. Of course, not in the classes she's actually riding. Lucy and Clementine are hoping that the more data users have about horse and rider combinations, the more interested they'll become in the sport and the athletes. Two other main points are the importance of how the data can be used to influence horse and rider welfare and their interest in promoting women and horse technology, all of which they talk about in our discussion. To give you a little more background on Lucy and Clementine, 
Lucy earned an Olympic team silver medal in 2016 and a team bronze medal at the 2014 World Equestrian Games. She received a bachelor's degree from Stanford University in engineering and architecture and founded PonyApp out of school in 2015. Clementine is a lifelong rider who attended Brown University and shortly after graduating started a tutoring company, Upper Echelon Academy, for students balancing riding and academics as well as non-riding students. Additionally, she graduated from Columbia Business School in 2021. Her sister is Grand Prix show jumper Brianne Goutal Marteau, who was the first junior rider to win all four major equitation championships in 2004 and 2005. Clementine says Brianne has been an inspiration for each step in her journey. Before we get into the conversation, I'd like to share a word from this episode's sponsor, Troxel. Troxel is introducing a new terrain helmet. This next level, low profile helmet features 12 extra large vents and a frontal reinforcement cage for maximum airflow and added impact resistance. The patented moisture wicking cool core headliner treated with innovative fuse technology fights odor causing bacteria. With all of these features, this helmet is engineered for cool, comfortable rides. For more information, go to troxelhelmets.com. Now, let's jump right into the conversation, which starts with Lucy explaining what gaming and fantasy gaming is in general to set the stage for the rest of the discussion. Yeah, gaming is sort of a bit of an umbrella term. And when we say fantasy gaming, people aren't really sure if it's like unicorns and, um, you know, video games running through the forest or, or what it is. But usually when, you know, we start to talk about daily fantasy uh, that's really where kind of this term fantasy sports started is with, uh, football and companies like DraftKings that, you know, created these, um, uh, games through the league where you can, uh, through the season where you, you can draft your team, uh, you have, you know, players, salary caps, all this stuff, um, that's actually quite involved and, and but also very community focused, mostly for men. Um, and over time, because it's it doesn't fit really all sports, I would say um, it, it does for team sports super well that have a defined season. But, you know, there are other sports like golf or tennis or, you know, Formula One um, and of course ours where that, you know, could work, but doesn't work as well. So this um, a lot of now fantasy games, um, which is, you know, another umbrella term, uh, have kind of a lot of unique different formats. So ours are head to head matchups, uh, one rider versus the other rider, uh, or horse rider combination. We do an over under, which is on scores. Um, and for our purposes for football, it might be on yardage in the, um, you know, in a game that a quarterback might, or I guess quarterbacks don't run, but anyways, there, it would be some sort of stat, um, shows how much I know about that. But, um, and for ours, it's on, uh, faults, uh, that, you know, horses and riders might be having in a round. So we're trying to, I guess, take these, how fantasy sports has evolved over time to fit a lot of different sports and kind of cherry pick for what looks interesting, what might work for equestrian. And we've, that's where we've started with our fantasy games. But the the main clarification um, that I always have to kind of ensure is that this is not betting. Um, 
gaming is is its own kind of world uh, and ours especially now being free to play so free to enter with real crash prizes from sponsors um you know makes it really widely available in in the u.s and so um you know don't have to be concerned about about uh, that side of things at least for now great great and clementine do you have anything to add to that that was a great explanation uh, uh, yeah that was really comprehensive i think um it's basically where users are placing predictions on real show jumping events um, and i think that a lot of the time the word fantasy will kind of obfuscate what we're doing and as lucy said people imagine either like a video game or some sort of like made up uh you know horse and rider which is like a compilation of a bunch of real ones um this is real so it's before um, a real show jumping event the, the users log on to the fantasy platform they place predictions on what the outcome will be whether that's which whether rider a or b will be will outperform one another or whether a certain rider or rider will have more or less than the projected number of faults um, and it gets the users to really engage with what with what's going on in the competition and it gets them to feel much more invested in the outcome um, you know uh, that's really what we're trying to do. And, you know, when a lot of the times, even I'm guilty of it, if I go to a horse show, I care about, um, you know, like three of my friends that are in the class and maybe one really exceptional rider who's like come in from Europe and then obviously my sister. And I think that's kind of a lot of pairs to really care about, you know, what's actually going to happen. Um, but there are 50, 60 others. And so by placing predictions on 10, 20, 30 matchups, um, I start to really care about 60 different riders. Um, and that's kind of what the point is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like how you explain the fantasy because it does throw me because you're just it's such sort of an ethereal word that you're then like, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't know how that I don't know the history of how that name started, but it is it is funny. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the I think actually, unfortunately, the word that explains it the most efficiently is when we explain that it's like betting, but it's not. But we just have to be so careful because this is unequivocally legal. And um, beyond being free to play, there are a ton of different aspects that make it fantasy as opposed to betting. And we want to be really careful to not spook anyone um, so that you know, no one thinks that we actually launched sports betting with an equestrian. Um, we're doing everything we can to uh, work with the federations and make sure we're doing something that's really um, positive for the sport and something that's well received in the sport. Um, and it's specifically fantasy and not betting. Yeah, and there's sort of layers. That's why I personally love fantasy um, is there's sort of layers of games within the games. Uh, so basically how our specific games work are, you know, you take you make your predictions. It's not one head to head matchup, as Clem said, it's, you know, it's maybe 10, 15 up to 20 matchups, uh, depending on how many people there are in the class. And so you get to pick one of each of the matchups, one in each of the matchups. And, you know, you're, you get a, it's a based on a point system. So you get a total amount of possible points and the total amount, total amount of points that you end up with at the end of the class, according to how the real world competition goes, puts you in a pool with every other entrant and you're ranked accordingly. And so there are actually prizes and unlike betting, it's sort of win or lose. 
they're actually, you know, payouts down to, you know, in some cases, 40 people. Uh, so, and you can see who on there, you know, who, people's usernames, um, you know, some at this stage, we uh, can kind of recognize some people or not, or, uh, you know, and, and so that's another kind of community element and why I think fantasy sports in general, um, you know, like the stereotype is all the, all these dudes at their office, you know, draft doing their draft. My brother, for example, has a group and they, they dedicate a night to the draft and they're all have you know, have their computers around drinking beer, like drafting their players. And so, we, you know, horse girls are a super strong community, but we wanted to kind of take that energy to the next level um, and, you know, tie everyone together and tie that also to the top sport because, um, you know, it's, it's, in my opinion, having been to the top level um, of competition, uh, there's so many more people out there that love horses that don't know the sport as well um, at that level. And, you know, this is, as Clem said, a really great way to learn more about athletes and horses through this game, which is actually really fun and something you can do, you know, amongst friends and in a really low risk, potentially high reward way. So. Hey, great. All of that is like really interesting. And I want to get back on some of those points, but maybe before we do, can you walk us through? So if you're a new user and you go to your site and, and I should back up that it's called preview P R I X B I E W. Um, if you're a new user and you come to your site and you go to the fantasy, uh, fantasy game, I think that's on the top menu. What, and you, you have to enter, like you said, use, you know, uh, username, password, and then um, I've got, I've done that so far. So you, it looks like, you know, you have a list of shows that come up and you can pick your shows. And then I guess, can you walk us through then what you'll be experiencing like from, from that point on? Sure. Yeah. If you sign up, um, today's Tuesday. So if you sign up from Sunday night to basically Wednesday night, just be patient because <laughs> the games will come when the shows start. Uh, so most of our games run Thursday through basically end of day Sunday, and you'll be able to see those um, on the homepage during those days of the week. Um, essentially, you create your account, normal login process, other than we need to verify that you are 18 plus um, and, you know, that you're in the U.S. Um, we do have it internationally in some countries as well. Um, Canada's fair and most of Europe is, uh, is fair game as well. Um, and then basically you're free to, free to start. Uh, you enter when a game, as soon as the start list for a class is uh, posted, we're able to create a game off of that. And we're using, um, you know, data that we're collecting on horses and riders in order to make uh, these spreads. So if you have, you know, McLean and Kent are, you know, obvious examples. And uh, if you have, uh, depending on which horse they're riding, since they're obviously pretty close um, in, you know, skill. Uh, so the point spread will kind of vary according to the conditions of the competition, according to which horse they're riding and all these uh, elements that make it technical. And you can see under each matchup, there's points um, attributed to each rider and you can pick, you know, the less likely, the more points you'll get it. So in other words, they're the favorite uh, or the underdog, sorry. Um, 
and you can pick all the favorites you can pick all the underdogs you can pick who you like you can pick who's cute you can pick pretty much um, whatever strategy you want there's a lot of different ones we've been hearing which is exciting to to um to see how people are thinking about it but ultimately uh you know you you make your predictions it could take uh 30 seconds if you know the horses and riders well and it could take a couple minutes if you want to click into their profile check their stats learn a bit more um but ultimately it's really uh you know a quick way if you're if you're um, gonna watch the class or if you're at the show or if you're just hanging at the barn or anywhere else and have you know five minutes it's super easy to enter a game uh, and then once it's uh, the class is completed, you'll get an, a notification that shows your result and you can see where you rank uh, and in the field and and yeah, really kind of dive into it that way. When you can see where you ranked, is that kind of a public thing too? You'd mentioned the community aspect of it. So uh, is there something that says, you know, person A is now, you know, she's ranked like you know the terminology yeah you know because she picked better or not better but you know picked Mm -hmm. more closely as to the results yeah we don't have um a leaderboard to the extent where it says you know lucy finished last in this in this competition but we do post um the prize winners so you can see their account names uh you know, between usually 25 and 40 entrants, depending on how big the prize pools are, um, which, you know, we've posted prizes up to $2,500. And so uh, that'll get, you know, distributed sort of like in a show jumping competition, uh, trickle down to, to the lower places. Uh, So, but we definitely, um, you know, are, are open to suggestions. So as you guys play and if there are more ways that like, Oh, I really want to see what the winners picked or this or that, you know, we're, we're obviously trying to, um, make it better and better. So we would love also, to, to hear from people who are playing. <laughs> we're working on a leaderboard of sorts, um, to show kind of like the, the standings of our players since the beginning. Um, it was really fun to see that uh, a friend of ours, Lisey Oaken, just became the number one most winningest player on our site. Uh, she surpassed $1,000 in winnings and um, it, it just got us thinking that like, it's it's really fun to know if you're, you know, in the running, if you're in the top 10, uh, how you stand respective to your friends and your peers. And even though like we don't, um, like we will only be able to show what people's usernames are nine times out of 10, they're pretty easy to figure out, um, kind of who's, who's behind the name. It's either some variation of someone's name or nickname, or even like their favorite horse. Um, but we think that's another Laura Kraut wins like every game (laughs) as well as L Kraut. I'm like, Laura, <laughs> this is embarrassing. You're truly an expert. <laughs> yeah, but she's uh, she's playing. <laughs> We've got a lot of the top riders playing, um, and you know we're we're careful careful yeah. to make sure that they're not playing when they're actually in the class. Um, but they actually are ga- they're gaming a lot on um, other classes that are running like all over the world. Um, so they'll be at a show in Holland. Um, but they'll place predictions on shows in Rome and in Traverse City and in, uh, you know, 
Saugerties or wherever all the all the games are running. And so that's that's really fun. The feedback from top riders has been really positive in that, you know, obviously they don't necessarily need to learn more about the horses and riders, but they uh, they've a lot of them have said that it actually makes them tune in to more competitions around the world each week than they normally would have, um, especially when they're already at one. Uh, and so that's been that's been exciting to to know that the games kind of have something for everyone and um you know ultimately the fact that we are covering events in Socrates and Traverse City as well as as you know Aachen and Rome and uh bigger events in Europe as well uh we we hope to kind of bring exposure to how many to how many there are out there and how big the sport truly is week over week, you know, every, every week of the year. So, um, you know, that's where we have an advantage to other sports that have, you know, one season, you've got to get a ton of attention, build a ton of hype and get as many eyeballs you can, um, for the, you know, week long, month long period. Uh, and for us, we have, you know, events all over the world that are fantastic. Um, you know, truly each week. So um, being able to kind of attract somebody who might be competing in, um, you know, in, in Socrates this weekend uh, to the, the fact that there are, um, you know, there are events in, uh, in Europe and uh, on the West coast and, you know, all over is, is also a mission um, in, in terms of our, you know, educating about, about the sport at large. That um that kind of reminds me that um like kind of on the point of education and how the games have been a vehicle to kind of get people more interested in learning more and and help them actually do that because on our site um, anytime you're placing your predictions um, and you you have the option to choose rider A or B or you know place a, make a prediction on whether they'll have more or less faults than what's predicted um, you have the option to click to learn more about that horse and rider combination and all of our proprietary stats will come up and you can look through the results of those horses and riders and really see what what kind of faults they're having if um you know it's more of the time on, on grass that their faults are coming or on sand if they're on the left lead or the right lead whether they're combinations whether it's more uh the faults are more concentrated in like verticals versus oxers versus liverpools to get really granular into the type of faults um in addition to getting people to really like research their picks um a point on uh, this kind of like education component is that the data journalists, what I've heard is that it's actually really improved their writing because it's gotten them to be so attentive to detail and to pay such close attention to what these top horses and riders are doing why these faults are, are, are happening, where they're coming about. And they've said that it's actually been really great for um, their own kind of education purpose. So I thought this was kind of a good time to plug that we are always looking for data journalists. So if you or your friends um, are passionate equestrians, love the sport and want another way to, to kind of stay involved, reach out to us because we're always looking to find more data loggers. Yeah, and I think that's a great 
segue because that's what I was going to get to. If you're not Laura Kraut or, or one of the big people who know all of these people, um, it sounds like the data collection is a big part of what you guys do to help, like you said, educate people. Um, so I wanted to, to kind of dig into that even a little bit more. Um, so like on your site, and so basically you're collecting data, you're, you're doing a lot of the work for not only the, the players, but you know, for um, possibly commentators. I know Katie Stasek was saying she, you know, will use the the information and it looked like uh, you have on your site, um, sort of, a new, I think it's under the news, but different stories sort of saying maybe why such and such a person won because, you know, so maybe could you dig into that a little bit more? You know, Clementine, you mentioned it a little bit, but you you've got these data journalists who I'm I'm assuming are watching the classes and then they're recording all of these different stats so that that yeah. maybe we can all start to make sense of why you know that it's not just random a lot of the time yeah. it's just luck. Um, so traditionally, what's recorded in show jumping, as you know, most people probably know, is the number of faults and the amount of time that was taken for a round to be completed. And that's great when you're like watching a class and you're trying to see the person who just went, whether they're gonna go into fourth or seventh, but retroactively, it's not very useful. Um, there are some insights you can glean from that level of data, which is like your clear round percentage at a height. It's not very useful. Like if I know that I'm at a meter 45, clear 30% of the time, it's fun to know, but it doesn't help me improve that or, you know, really compare myself to Lucy, who might have a lower percentage clear at that height, but has done so many more classes at that height and has probably, you know, you know, maybe one more at that height or developed more horses that were learning and making mistakes. It's just not that useful. So we're not scraping data from anywhere. All of the data is owned by preview um, and it's not just faults in time it's really specific to the type of faults the type of all of the different conditions of the competition so we see um, we have the, the data journalists are logging at when a fault comes down which number fence on course it was what lead the horse was on if it was a vertical an oxer a skinny a liverpool what type of jump um, whether the point of contact if the horse knocked the fence down with its front end or its hind end or something else um, and so much more the time of day uh, the course designer and it's there are so many other points of, um, you know, type type of information that, that's coming out of, um, you know, what's noted on the fault. And that's really useful, not just for performance enhancement. You know, you can say I'm, I've cleared 30% of the time at this height, but 70% of the time I'm having faults. And what's really good to know is that X percent of the time it's on the left lead at a vertical. So I know what I need to work on, whether I need to practice a left lead vertical at home or to find exercises that are specific to enhancing that type of turn to that type of obstacle, whether I need to chat with my vet and make sure there's not something specific that's hurting my horse, um, that's maybe pinching when I'm on the left lead and it's coming out more, whatever it is, it's just much more um, useful. 
so beyond how that is helpful for the riders as it informs their training and their veterinary planning, et cetera. Um, and by the way, they're like strategy when it comes to choosing which horse to use in a competition, because we can tell you whether like, you know, if you're going, the horse that you win more often on, you might actually do really well on sand and fiber mix, but it doesn't jump that well on grass. And you know that your horse that might seem like an underdog is actually like your favorite for the grass competition. So it, it informs your strategy. Beyond that, um, for broadcasters, when they're talking about what's going on, whether it's on the live stream or we hope to be, you know, on TV all the time eventually, um, as Katie's de demonstrated, if you take the predictive analytics, it's really useful to develop a compelling story. So it brings in people who already understand the sport um, and understand what like, you know, otherwise would be esoteric language. It's still useful in creating a captivating narrative. Um, so you learn why someone's favorited, why someone who might seem favorited is actually not that well set up for this class or this competition. Um, and it's also really useful for people who don't already understand the sport and aren't just hearing that this horse is scopy and this rider has great feel and, and things that are not that, 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 that don't make any sense to them. They're learning that this would be Kent's 100th win at this height. And this is why this combination is a particular challenge to this horse, looking at its stats and whatever. Um, that's really useful for the sport. That's really useful for, for media, for broadcasting, performance, vets, everything. Um, it's useful for the course designers as they put together the um you know the course plan to know kind of what the strength and weaknesses of the the competitive pool is so we're really excited to have a much deeper and more um more useful set of information yeah and i think the you know again similar to what we've been doing with gaming in terms of looking at what's been done well in other sports and applying it to equestrian. Um, you know, I guess the, the good news of not having much infrastructure to date is that we've been able to, to do that cherry picking. And the first thing I did in April last year um, when starting the company was build software to uh, like custom software to collect uh, these additional data points that Clem talked about, like, um, you know, which lead your, your fault was, um, and which, uh, point of contact was it the front legs or the back legs, uh, in, you know, basically started first, the first nine months building, uh, the software and logging, um, you know, building our team of data journalists and starting to log as much information as we can, even going back in time on streaming. Um, because first and foremost, as uh, as we noted, having that robust data archive is what can fuel our games, what helps us make predictions, uh, what helps educate on why one horse rider, et cetera, is better um, or will perform better under the given circumstances um, to get even more into the detail. But, um, you know, on top of that, this concept of live data, uh, live data, live gaming, live broadcasting, you know, this is where fans are really, uh, you know, solidified and uh, new new people are attracted to the sport. So the more we can do to deliver live analytics, 
hopefully translate our, you know, as you as you mentioned, Katie, working with us to to help with the broadcasting, with the storytelling, and uh, but hopefully, if we can get more into graphics and and other ways to serve new people and um, you know people who might want to learn more, this is this is what's going to make it interesting, and it's what it's working in every other sport, truly. Um, so that's what we kind of wanted to to make possible. The gaming is you know the cherry on top because that really is what's kind of exciting and, and gets you connected with friends and you feeling more connected to the athletes that, that are winning for you, hopefully. Um, but ultimately underneath that is, is a data infrastructure that we hope will kind of modernize the sport and bring this, you know, what's now results each weekend on different websites and, you know, siloed and federation, you know, archives all over the world into, you know, a singular live digestible, understandable place where you can use it as Clem noted for really whatever reason um, you're kind of looking for, if you're just interested in learning more about the sport, your own performance, others, et cetera. So, um, you know, that's what's underneath it all. <laughs> and two questions following up on that. Um, the the data collection, all of this information, um, uh, you mentioned, you know, the proprietary information. Are you distributing that on your site now? Or how is that? Like, can can users, can players see it? Some of it, obviously, they can maybe in mm -hmm. the bios of the riders. But like, how is it being disseminated now? And maybe your plans for the future? Yeah, so right now it's free on our site. Uh, each rider uh, at the time, it's we've been focused on, um, you know, FEI classes and events uh, and some of the larger U.S. national ones to start. Um, so most riders that are competing at those levels have profiles. They have, um, you know, results, analytics based off of those results, you know, a record of which horses they've been riding, things like that. That is free on our site. Everyone who is uh, entering a game has access to see uh, and, and use those to to inform their predictions. Um, you know, we have been working with some broadcasting partners to and, you know, the stuff that Katie is obviously using in writing some um, of the content on our site. We have uh, more detailed kind of in-depth uh, capabilities that we can use to serve and specialize. Um, and so hopefully we can build out more capabilities on our site and also uh, expand actually the, the data collection pool. That's why, you know, shout out to the recruitment of data journalists. If anybody's interested um, right now, it's essentially watching, getting paid to watch horse shows. So um, if you're already watching horse shows, uh, definitely let us know. But, um, you know, hopefully through things uh, in, in cases where it doesn't have to be live or we don't have games off of those events, we can start to, uh, again, cherry pick from, what other sports are doing in terms of um, ways they're automating their data collection using, um, you know, AI and others kind of streaming uh, solutions. Um, also sensors, chips and jerseys and, you know, sensors on um, certain equipment. Yes, all of these things are really transferable to to and can be kind of um, integrated, I think, in equestrian. So over time, we're definitely looking into ways to make it so that um, if you're competing in any ring, you could start to have you know, stats on your performance and, um, and really improve 
uh, hopefully in that way as well. So stay tuned for, for that over time. <laughs> Clementine, I think I had read you had talked about, you know, and, and you've touched on it, the equine and athlete welfare is sort of uppermost in your minds. Can you talk, you know, what did you mean by that and why, uh, you know, it might be obvious, but why is that important to, to both of you? Um, yeah, I mean, we're both passionate equestrians. So at the core, we're horse lovers. We really care about the sport. We really care about the animals and we really care about the, you know, all the athletes, the riders and the horses. Um, data is critical for everything from, uh, you know, the progression of the progress of uh, performance as well as welfare. Um, it's really important to know which faults are, which types of obstacles are causing uh, a lot of faults, which is really exciting. Um, and which types of obstacles are maybe not causing that many faults, but are causing uh, catastrophic accidents. Um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, it's really insightful to be able to look at why you're having a specific type of fault more often. And if you're able to look at, I mean, I'm not competing anymore, but if I were able to look at my results and say, oh, you know, I knew I was always having the, you know, B of the uh, A of the combination. And then uh, it's I was I look at it and it's actually no, it's actually always a vertical and it's always on the right lead. Um, I want to look with my vet at why that's happening in case there's something pinching or something hurting. Um, and data is, you know, a window into trends. Um, and when trends are, uh, you know, analyzed, uh, it's it makes it a lot easier to to, to improve welfare. And, and um, basically data in general is going to create like, much more transparency. Um, it's informative. And at the core, we both really care about, as I said, the athletes. So as that, as that's, you know, an avenue to protecting horse welfare, as well as rider welfare, um, that's just like at the core of everything we do. Yeah. And there's also, um, uh, you know, a component on our site where you can actually donate your earnings. So, you know, of course, we're really focused on the top sport um, and hopefully can directly work with more athletes over time to to help analyze their performance um, and where there might be holes or problems or, um, you know, hopefully not too many injuries. But, uh, you know, I think one thing that our sport uh, could improve upon uh, is actually giving back in a larger way to uh, horses and, and, you know, people who want to be involved with horses around the world. And both Clem and I have worked with a lot of really wonderful programs over the years um, who are doing just that and, you know, giving back on a day to day with, uh, um, you know, watching horses change people's lives as they have, uh, ours as well. And so we thought that, you know, you're winning real cash on this, uh, in these games and, um, you know, if you need it, you can cash it out. Um, but also if, uh, if you want, you can donate it to the Equus foundation, um, which Clem is an ambassador for and to Palomine equestrian, um, which I work with, um, in New York and they're both wonderful programs and we look forward to kind of adding more over time to that as well, um, just to kind of, you know, as we said, we're, we're, he we're here for the sport and we really see this as a way to give back at every level. Um, and so, 
you know, the more engagement, the more involvement, the more awareness and, and all sides is, is really what, what we're shooting for. I've also kind of read and, and, um, you know, that you're, you've mentioned, you know, that you're obviously two women in tech, um, which hopefully will become less and less unusual. Um, but I guess I just wanted to ask, why do you think, why is that important to you? We're actually um, two women in horse tech, which I'm hoping will um, become more of a thing. Uh, one of one of our engineers uh, was uh, <laughs> was joking, and he um, he kind of claimed that uh, I'm engineering in horse tech, and I was kind of like, I'm going to steal that. I like that. Um, so hopefully, horse tech is a thing, and uh, and I agree. Hopefully, women in tech in general will become less of a you know less of a a movement and more of a reality but um you know i think both of us are passionate fanatical horse people we've competed um and been fortunate to to travel to many competitions and see the the really true kind of bandwidth of the sport um and so it's been hard to get away from that and work in tech or business or in other areas. So um, bringing that to, you know, the sport we love and, and which we know well and we know can um, improve a lot and reach more people um, has been, you know, the most rewarding uh, experience. And, you know, it makes us excited to work each day. And, and, uh, you know, just like the horses, startup life doesn't really stop. So <laughs> you kind of have to like what you're doing, I think, to be in tech um, and particularly in horse tech. Yeah. Um, you know, women are underrepresented in sports in general. And the equestrian space is so interesting because it's the only co-ed sport in the Olympics. Um, it's really an opportunity for women to showcase um you know, their value in a sport where we're, uh, you know, equal competitors with men, often, you know, superior. Um, and, you know, similarly in tech, women have been underrepresented and it's so important in any data aggregation system that, you know, these biases aren't um, kind of embedded in any of the systems we're building and all of that. So, um, you know, kind of for all these reasons, I think we're really proud to be women who are focused on the technology of a sport that is, um, you know, creating equal opportunities for, for men and women. Um, and just kind of at the, at the granular level, making sure that, uh, there aren't, you know, as I said, any, uh, kind of unconscious biases built into any of these, uh, programs or, um, yeah, data systems. Yeah, and, and to add on to the tech part, the gaming, gaming, sports betting, et cetera, has been um, has been largely male focused, um, not just in participation, but in marketing. And you know, I've I've had many meetings where uh, where um, people have told me that it's because women are risk averse, and because you know, and I just, I've met too many competitive and, um, you know, women who love gaming, who love competing. Uh, and it's just, we couldn't, we couldn't kind of let that, let that stand. So introducing a sport that actually we like in a format that feels a little friendlier, um, 
and to, you know, the things that we're going to be more interested in um, was another kind of boost of, uh, of energy and inspiration on our end to, as Clem said, to make sure that, that these biases are not uh, perpetuated as uh, inevitably as it has, you know, gaming and sports betting has entered, you know, pretty much every sport and, you know, really truly creating new sports because of interest, um, you know, that it doesn't come to our sport in a way that um, is not you know, representative of, of kind of the core of what we're doing. And so that's why we wanted to be the first um, and or we're excited to be so and, uh, and, you know, look forward to hopefully more people joining, but understanding, you know, who we are and what our sport is and, and what a horse girl really means. So. Yeah. And that's a, a great point. I mean, I think if you ever meet uh, Laura, like you said, Laura Kraut, Margie Engel, um, you know, Leslie for Howard, really any, and Lucy yourself. Yeah, they're definitely not risk averse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like risk averse is not, uh, <laughs> is not in the equation. So that's a really good point. Um, you know, just real quick, I would love to chat with you guys about, you know, your background a little bit, kind of what in your past makes you have been able to even accomplish this, you know, accomplish what you've accomplished so far. Um, you know, Lucy, maybe, you know, obviously you're an Olympian, uh, been to the world championships, um, but can you maybe describe, I, I went to Stanford University, just kind of how all that came together to, to bring you to this point. Sure. Um, I mean, I think, the, I guess, even before all that, um, you know, I started riding because my grandpa was a jockey's agent on the racetrack. Um, and so my mom grew up around horses. They've always been a part of our family in that way. Uh, and you know, when I was little, my mom was, was riding as just as her, as her outlet, as she said. Um, and, and so, you know, got into the horses in, in LA in that way and through time and just a series of, um, uh, you know, wonderful horses and, uh, wonderful opportunities was able to get to the top sport level. Um, and with a lot of help was able to also go to school at that time. Um, and I think, you know, it's, there is a kind of an emerging young rider group that was able to, to do school and to do, um, horses. I felt like before, uh, honestly, Brian, uh, Gutal was, was an inspiration in that way, being able to juggle, you know, go win every medal finals and then, you know, keep riding, but also go to Brown. So, um, you know, she was sort of a pioneer in, in that. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I think our top young riders were able to, to juggle both. So, um, it just really opens doors, it has opened doors for me in, um, in the kind of connections I made three of our founding kind of engineers that helped build that data collection platform were Stanford, um, were from Stanford and, um, and, you know, connections and friends that I made while there. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been able to give me the opportunity to, to actually take an idea, which I know so many people, um, in this sport have, um, and, and actually, you know, act upon it. Um, so feeling grateful for that as well. And, uh, and when Clementine was uh, graduating Columbia business school, uh, sort of 
started to fish around uh, for what she might be doing next. And so, you know, got to incorporate more talent and a whole new network of, um, uh, you know, engineers and, um, you know, business minded people uh, that, uh, you know, equestrian may seem niche um, to people now. And we are the fanatical kind of groups that are within it. But when you talk about women in sports, when you talk about, um, you know, gaming and sports data and analytics, it's, uh, you know, we've been able to recruit a really strong team of people who see it as a, as a exciting puzzle to bring, you know, existing technology uh, that's being refined at a high level in other sports to, uh, you know, a bit of a blank slate and that sort of that challenge, that puzzle has, um, has been inspiring for now non-horse people. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, we've been able to agree to craft a, a great early team, um, because of that as well. And Clementine, do you want to, uh, to just share kind of your story, a little bit of your story? Yeah, sure. Um, so as uh, Lucy mentioned, my sister, she was always, you know, my best friend, also like an inspiration uh, for kind of each step along the way. I really probably started riding because I wanted to do what she was doing. Um, and then, um, yeah, as you know, as we grew up, my parents, we had we were fortunate enough to not have to make the choice between riding or academics. Um, and, you know, my parents never gave us gave us the, the gave us the window to even consider that that was, you know, within the realm of possibility that we were going to, uh, you know, let school slip on the priority list and really focus on the horses. They were like, you know, you guys are really lucky. And um, if you want to keep riding, it's because you're earning it. Um, and um, you know, as Lucy mentioned, Brie went to Brown. I went to Brown too. Uh, I always loved riding and loved competing, but I really cared about, um, you know, keeping an open mind to what else was going on in the world and what else I was interested in. Um, I personally always needed to do something outside of the riding to feel totally fulfilled. Uh, I'm very curious and um, I'm entrepreneurial. I, when I was graduating from school, I didn't want to stop writing, but I wanted to start a business. And I saw kind of an, a gap, which was an opportunity in the education space. And I started this tutoring company. It was um, really fun. I brought in amazing partners um, and eventually sold the company after eight years. And my, um, my partners do an incredible job running it. I'm really proud to be affiliated with this top tier education company. It's called Upper Echelon Academy, um, which focuses on, um, you know, students in the equestrian space that are balancing riding and academics, but has students who, who don't ride as well. Um, and after that, I was I was in business school trying to figure out what else, um, you know, what else I was really interested in, where I wanted you know, my career to go. And Lucy and I would chat and kind of bounce ideas off of each other about what she was doing in preview. And I thought it was so interesting. I thought there was so much um, potential and uh, possibility. Um, and yeah, at, at business school, I was learning kind of the fundamentals of business from, um, you know, finance to marketing and business to, um, 
uh, like data sciences and analytics um, and realized I was very interested in tech and bridging this this gap specific to the writing world. So I was really happy when she wanted me to come work at Preview and it's been really, really fun to be involved now that I'm, especially now that I'm not really riding, to stay involved in the sport and um, work to create opportunities for everyone in the industry and, um, you know, in every way, give back to, to the sport. Um, we want riding to be considered a sport that's not niche um, for people to realize that it's got all the amazing you know, exciting components of a sport like Formula One, where it's fast, it's dangerous, it's elite, it's, you know, international, um, but it's also co-ed and there are horses involved, which um, should pull in anyone's heartstrings. Um, and yeah, it's been really fun to to work on this and work with Lucy. Great. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I've learned so much and maybe just, you know, we can wrap it up with maybe another plug. You, you again, you're looking for data journalists who can watch yeah. shows and enter, you know, get into the nitty gritty of what's happening during rides and competitions yeah. um, so they can find out more information on your website. Yeah, the email on the website. Um, there's we have a careers page, which will keep updated as well. If you are looking for, you know, data journalist is a really cool role because, as I said, you get paid to watch horse shows, but also, you know, it's very much on your own time. If you can do um, an event live in your area, we uh, and we're partnered with them, then, you know, we can do it on site or it's, you know, live on streaming or if you're, you know, working in the horse world and you have Mondays off um, and you can't, you know, do anything live. We're, like I said, doing stuff, vlogging um, classes uh, in the past. Uh, so just to build our data archive as much as possible. So, you know, if you're interested in watching uh, the Auckland Grand Prix from 2016 uh, on a Monday, definitely let us know. Um, and, you know, if you want to get more formally involved, we, uh, we hope to be hiring uh, over the next kind of year as well. So um, definitely awesome. stay in the loop. Importantly, to be a data logger, you uh, need to, the, the prereq, the prerequisites, you don't need to, to know what we're talking about when we say we're, you're logging data. Um, as long as you uh, know what you're, know what you're seeing when you're watching um, show jumping classes and know leads point of contact um, we can teach you how to how to log the data um, so it's, it's really anyone who enjoys watching show jumping is a great candidate so email us go through the site um, reach out to any of us um, we're always looking for passionate horse people so the site again it's p preview p-r-i-x-b-i-e-w.com yeah. and do you have the email handy info at preview.com it's just info at preview yeah okay great okay anything else that you want to add <laughs> i mean we a lot. i think we covered a lot <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. I just, uh, you know, thanks for having us. It's been, yeah. Thank uh, you so much for having us. It's been great yeah. to, to explain. It's a lot of new stuff for people. So I think being able to, 
explain it, um, you know, at length is we're really appreciative of that opportunity. Great, great. Well, thank you both for, for spending so much time with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Lucy Davis and Clementine Guttal. And a big thank you to the episode's sponsor, Troxel. Learn more at TroxelHelmets.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandy Olenek, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.